everyone, and welcome to Happy Hour at Bland. I'm Kaylee. And I'm Ashley. Happy Monday. Hi, happy Monday. Yeah, thank you. Pretty good, pretty good. That's good. The weather's nice. I'm sure it's coming to an end pretty soon. Yeah, you know me. I've been ready for fall for like two months, and now I feel like we're coming into like the prime of fall. So, yes, I could not be more happy with the weather. I agree. Um, We've been sleeping with our windows open. It's been wonderful, except for a night or two ago. The wind, we had our windows all the way open to get, like, the most airflow through. Mm-hmm. My, my wooden blinds were like, bang, bang, no. for me. And I was like, okay, this is a little creepy. Because, you yeah. know what? Did you ever watch um, The Haunting of Hill House or Hill House? On- no, I'm not a big Oh, I'm not a big scary movie person. It's a, it's a, um, it's a season. Like it was a season one. It came out last year, and the, the second season just came out. And it is so, like, scary movies were my thing when I was little, and then they're just so cheesy now. But these are so creepy. Like, oh, like even grown men are kind of like, oh, turn it off, turn it off. Like, <laughs> I'm not saying Dustin's scared of it. I don't. I'm right, right. Scared. Yes. <laughs> okay. Well. That's funny. But before we get started, uh, I wanted to chat, speaking of spooky, a little bit about Halloween. Yes. And if there will be a Halloween this year, are you and your family going to dress up as a theme, like lions, tigers, and bears, and you and your husband? Uh, in my dreams. The, the thing is, I have two divas at home that are seven and five, and they both have their own ideas on what they princess, need to be. Princess, and- princess or what? That was last year. It was cute. Last year they were Anna and Elsa, the two Frozen oh, sisters. And okay. so now this year, Ella's going to be Scooby-Doo, which I thought would be really cute for a family costume. Like, we really could make that happen. But then Isabel, it's her turn to be Princess Elsa. She had to be Anna last year. So she picked out an Elsa costume with a tiara and a crown, or a tiara, bracelet, clip-on earrings, full gloves. She. You think she gets this from her mom? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I try to limit myself to one accessory, you know, per outfit, and she. The more, the better with her. But <laughs> we used to be that way. I swear, in college, it was like as many bangles as I could get up my. Oh room. yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. So tell me about you guys for Halloween. Are you guys able to do a family? So I thought it would be funny. I was talking to Star, one of Bland's employees, and uh, we were talking about how Beckham is obsessed with Moana right now. And Mm -hmm. she was like, you guys could be, uh, you could be Moana. Uh, Beckham could be like the chicken or the pig or hey, hey, you know? And then Dustin could be the big muscular tattoo. Maui. Yes. And I was like, so funny, but no, we're not doing that. (laughs) He's either going to be, oh, I don't even want to say it. Blippy. Do you know what Blippy is? Mm -mm. You're so lucky. Blippy or Mickey Mouse. So we'll see. Oh. He loves them both. So yeah. Yeah. He's always loved Mickey Mouse. So maybe, I think Mickey Mouse would just be cuter. Like it'd be fun if I can just have him be the cute things while I can. Cause I know I'm going to lose battles later in life. 100%. Yes. I think, yeah, probably Mickey Mouse, but yeah. All right. I don't want to switch up a a little, little, okay. I wanted to switch up our quote a little bit and do a Halloween joke. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. (laughs) Okay. You're already laughing. (laughs) Okay. Knock, knock. Who's there? Armageddon. Armageddon who? 
Amra getting out of here anytime soon. This is how I feel about 2020. Like I had to cancel one of my trips to Hawaii. So down hit my soul real deep. And I feel like 2020 that just sums it up. Like when are we yeah. getting out of here? I like it. That's very fitting. Very fitting. I know. <laughs> since it's just you and I today, um, I wanted to ask you the question. I'm just taking over here, okay? Yeah, no, go for it. Okay. What's the biggest change you've experienced in the last 10 years? Oh, wow. The last 10 years. That is a really good and deep question, I think. I think probably the biggest change is learning that life is just not all about yourself. You know, in the last 10 years is when I've had all my kids three now some days it feels like 10 but it's just three <laughs> and it, you know and you just I know you can attest this we've both talked about motherhood before but you just love these kids with every fiber of your being and and they become your life and you really become second fiddle to them and it's a great feeling it's not anything that I'm remorseful about I'm happy to not have a lot of free time because what I am filling my time with is just the best feeling in the world so I think that's probably probably the biggest change yeah what would you say such little turds sometimes and then Mm -hmm. I go to bed I'm like he was so good today oh but wait about that one little thing he did right he was so good you just forget it all sometimes when they're just so they're just learning something every day especially at two like I swear he's just taking in the world and he'll I'll just do some things sometimes where I'm just like, wow, where did he learn that? Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because that question for our listeners who have listened to the Get to Know Us episode, Ashley and I knew each other 10 years ago, even longer. And so it's just awesome to see, like, knowing who we both were then and who we are now. It's It's a big change. Yes. Good one. Yes. All right. right. Well, should we dive in? Absolutely. Let's get this. Okay. So friends, today we're going to be talking about the HHS Provider Relief Fund. And I'm going to give a little bit of background before we, before we dive into what the meat of, of today's episode will be. So the CARES Act this spring that was passed authorized $175 billion in relief for healthcare providers that are treating and preventing COVID-19. And for our listeners, you probably remember, I work with a lot of nursing facilities, and so they benefited from this relief. But all healthcare providers, whether you bill Medicare, Medicaid, private pay, almost all healthcare providers were eligible for some sort of relief from the Departments of Health and Human Services, who is distributing this provider relief funding. And the funding has been dispersed through several distributions that have taken place over the late spring and this summer. And most providers will know which distributions they've received. They have different titles that go with them. There was the phase one, phase two, there's been some targeted ones for certain types of healthcare providers, like skilled nursing facilities, critical access hospitals, things like that. And then phase three was actually announced two weeks ago. So providers should know, number one, are they receiving distributions? Number two, which distributions are they receiving? 
when you receive this money or to receive this money, you had to accept certain terms and conditions from HHS, which means that you agree to spend the funds in a manner that is in accordance with the spirit of this CARES Act, which is at a high level to prevent the spread of coronavirus and to treat COVID-19 patients. And so those are just some high level things to provide a little bit of context or background about what we're really going to talk about today, which is the reporting that is attached to these funds. So when you accepted these funds, you agreed that you were also going to report on how the funds were spent. And so in mid-September, it actually came out on a Saturday. This reporting guidance came out on a Saturday. And I was reading a few articles that people are now referring to it as Surprise Saturday, which oh I think gosh. is funny, yes, because normally you think of a surprise as something fun and exciting. And in my personal opinion, this is not very fun. It's not exciting. It kind of had some bad news built into it. And so it's just, I wish they would pick a different name, but on surprise Saturday, the <laughs> reporting guidance was issued. And so for any healthcare provider that has received more than $10,000 in these provider relief distributions, you are going to be required to report how you spent the money. And there are some important dates that our listeners are going to want to keep in their mind. On January 15th, 2021, the reporting system will open. And so how the funds are going to be reported is they will log on to a website that is sponsored by the Department of Health and Human Services. And that is where they will perform their reporting. And right now we have not seen what this website looks like. All that we've seen so far is a list of the data elements that are gonna be required to be reported on. The first report is going to be due by February 15th, 2021. And that's going to include reporting on how you've spent the funds through December 31st, 2020. And then if you have not spent all of the funds that you've received by December 31st, 2020, you have until June 30, 2021 to spend those remaining funds. And then you'll have to file a final report by July 31st. I should give a disclaimer to our listeners. This is information that is current as of today, October 13th, 2020. You'll be hearing this episode a few days later. There's a chance some guidance could be issued between now and when this episode goes live. And we will be sending out emails. We really try to update our clients and anyone that follows us on social media or gets our Blandcast emails. When any, whenever any new guidance is issued, we, we try to push that update out as soon as possible. The thing about this reporting is it's already changed several times. So when providers first received, the, for, received their first distribution earlier this summer, the reporting was described as being something totally different. And now here we are a couple months later with new guidance. And so it is a little bit of a moving target, but it's important for healthcare providers to know at least at a high level what what is being expected of them in terms of reporting so that they can adequately prepare because thinking about those dates that I said, the reporting system opens on January 15th 
and that first report is due one month later. That's really not a lot of time to prepare. A lot of clients are going to have a December 31st year end. And so then trying to close out your own financials for the year and then also compile information for this reporting that you've never done before, that's a lot to do in a short amount of time. And so really we just want to give a heads up to everybody that you need to have an understanding of what's going on and start preparing for this reporting. Even if it changes, it's better to be prepared. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll go into the reporting here. I will try to keep it a little bit high level. I'll say it now and we'll, we'll try to remember to say it later too. If you have any questions, do not hesitate to reach out. You can contact me directly or contact our firm at info at blandcpa.com and we can help. It will be important to get your accountant involved in some manner with your reporting, at least if nothing else other than just a heads up because what you report will be subject to audit down the road. And we don't know if everyone's going to get audited, only a sample of healthcare providers. We don't have any of that information at this time, but it's good to go in with the mindset that you will get audited so that you, you are covered if and when you do get audited. So providers will report on two different things. The first will be any healthcare related expenses that are attributable to coronavirus that they spent the money on. And then any lost revenue that they're going to attribute to how the money is spent. And so I'm going to give this a quick high level example. Let's say a healthcare provider received $500,000 in these distributions and you have spent 450,000 on um, hazard pay for your staff and additional PPE and a new, um, new testing and thermometers and all of these different things. And so that, that amount equals 450,000. You can then evaluate if you have any lost revenue, which we'll talk about a little bit, and if you have enough lost revenue to apply it towards the remainder of your unused funds, then you can do that. So in our example, we got 500000 we spent 450000 on different items, and now we're going to see if we have $50,000 of lost revenue to use up the rest of that 500000 And if we don't, it's not a huge deal. You still have another six months. You still have the first six months of 2021 to spend the rest of those dollars. But you do want to spend it all. Yes. Otherwise you have to return it. Okay. And so that, that is the important thing is understanding how much you have used up of your money so that you can return it if you're not going to be able to spend it. So great point. Don't know how to spend it. That's when they could reach out and ask for our help and we could guide them on certain options. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And so when it comes to the actual reporting and your expenses, so we're going to talk about this in terms of determining your expenses that you're going to report as step one. And for any healthcare provider that receives between 10,000 and less than 500,000, you get to report your expenses in the aggregate for two different categories general administrative expenses, and other healthcare-related expenses. So your report will really only have two lines for expenses, your total GNA and your total healthcare. 
if you received more than 500,000, then you have to report it for those two categories, but also subcategories. And there's, I'll name off a couple of the different subcategories. There's mortgage and rent, insurance, personnel, that would be ad additional hiring, whether it be having to staff up or um, training your employees, any additional time there, that would be considered a personnel expense. Fringe benefits, and uh, this is important to point out because you might think the opposite, but any hazard pay, any bonuses you're giving your employees for working during these times in an environment, you know, where they may be vulnerable to, to catching this disease. Hazard pay is considered a fringe benefit and not a personnel cost. Then any lease payments, any new equipment or software that's being leased to assist with your COVID fighting efforts, any utility or operating expenses, and then there's a catch-all in terms of any other GNA overhead expense. Those were all within the general and administrative bucket. Then there's the healthcare bucket. And again, there's some subcategories. So just to restate, if you've received more than 500,000 in these provider relief distributions, you will have to report your expenses in GNA and healthcare, and then the subcategories within each of those two categories. And so within the healthcare bucket, there is supplies, equipment, IT, facility type expenses, and then a catch-all other healthcare related expense that doesn't fit better in one of the aforementioned categories, subcategories. So then once we've assigned all of the expense that we can to those categories, we have to evaluate how much in total was there. So going back to our example, we've done all of our reporting of expenses and that amounted to 450,000. Now we can evaluate if there's lost revenue. And I will read verbatim what the guidance says it being an accountant i had to read this several times i've received many many questions about what is meant by this definition that was published by hhs and so i'll try my best to explain it i do think this is one area that is potentially subject to change this what they have released in the most recent guidance is very different from what was published earlier this summer and so this is one area that I know a lot of the major healthcare associations are petitioning HHS to go back to the original definition of lost revenue that was published in late June. So lost revenue can be, will be represented as a negative change in year over year net patient care operating income net of healthcare related expenses. So what does that mean? So I'm going to try, try and uh, for our listeners, if you are familiar with an income statement, this is what you should visualize. You have your total revenue. So all of your um, room and board revenue or charges for services, you have all of your revenue, your patient revenue, minus your operating expenses. So minus salaries, rent, all of your expenses come down to a net operating income. Now that net operating income does not include any of this HHS money or these, these coronavirus expenses that you reported in step one. So that's the important thing to know. So 
So then we have that net operating income. Then you will subtract the expenses from step one. That then is your kind of starting point. That can be your lost revenue. However, you, there are some caps in terms of how much lost revenue can be claimed. And so if you had a positive net income in 2019, whatever that number was, that is the amount of lost revenue you'll be capped at. If you had a net loss in 2019, your lost revenue will be capped at whatever amount it takes in 2020 for your net income to reflect zero. So it's almost like a plug. And this is, there's no other less complicated way to explain it, unfortunately. What's going to happen is you're going to report these different things that I laid out for you. You're going to report your revenue and your expense in the reporting module, and it will calculate lost revenue for you. And then you can elect to report that as, as usage of your provider relief funds, if you so choose. My recommendation is to the extent that you can just use cost to, for your provider relief fund, it's going to be better, easier, uh, it's less ambiguous in terms of this lost revenue and this definition. There's still a lot of speculation as to different inputs and outputs on this lost revenue number. So the extent that you can use costs, whether it be actual expenses or equipment or building improvements, leasehold improvements that you're putting on the balance sheet, those are all eligible uses of the fund. And so that is, again, the first step is determining how much expenses or costs you have. And then lost revenue is the second step. And the information will be reported on a quarterly basis. So keep in mind that you're going to need to go into the accounting system and run your trial balance or your profit and loss statement on a quarterly basis for 2019 and 2020 calendar years. And that is the information that will be captured in this reporting system. That at a high level is what what came out on surprise Saturday with this reporting guidance. The information that was published was only a six page PDF and it's, oh there's mixed feelings. Yes. Yeah, some people are applauding HHS for their brevity in terms of thank you for not inundating us with a 300 page document. But I think the vast majority of us feel that this was not enough guidance. There's a lot of what if, what are the exact inputs, with this information being subject to audit, people want to get it right the first time. Mm -hmm. And so there needs to be more information in exactly how providers should report certain things. And HHS did say when they publish this information that there will be more webinars and FAQs and case studies to come. And so as we see that information release, we will certainly share that with our listeners and whoever follows us on social media as well. As I mentioned, this is a moving target, but uh, we're getting closer to, to when this is actually going to occur. So it's good to start having an aware, being aware of, of what's going on and, and what information may need to be reported so that you can work with your, 
either internal accounting staff, your outsourced accounting staff, your audit firm, you know, whoever's going to help support you in this endeavor, it's good to reach out to them now. And I'll go through just a couple like best practices or recommendations for, for people to get started here in a minute. One thing I also want to highlight is that if you receive more than $750,000 in provider relief funds, you are likely eligible for single audit. And when I say provider relief funds, that can be either directly from the federal government. So your phase one, phase two targeted distributions, but also a lot of the states have been dispersing money to different healthcare providers and that money's original source was the CARES Act. So that those funds really are provider relief funds. They're just not coming directly from HHS. They're being passed through a state or a county government. And those funds can be eligible towards the $750,000 threshold. So in talking with your accountant, make sure to disclose really all sources of relief that you are receiving, whether it be this COVID money from HHS, if it's from other nonprofits, PPP loans, there's just a lot of money coming into nonprofits that have to be used, nonprofits and for-profits. Our healthcare providers are just receiving a lot of funding that has to be used in accordance with prescribed conditions. And it's important to, to be working with someone or have your internal staff uh, be educated and aware on, on what the reporting requirements are because it can be very, very complicated. So if you know that your organization has received more than 750000 or likely will after phase three is distributed here in the next month or so, your ears should perk up that you are likely going to need a single audit. We have a podcast episode coming up with our firm's single audit expert, Nick Eaker, and that will go into a little more detail in terms of what a single audit even is. This is probably the first time a lot of people are hearing the term single audit. So we'll talk about what it is, what's involved, and just some recommendations there. So that is a good, that will be a good episode to check out if this is, is likely your circumstances. So in terms of just how to prepare, the thing I can't emphasize the most is start now. Identify what you've received so far and start to lay out or identify which expenses or costs you are going to match up with that funding. If you received a PPP loan and spent that on expenses earlier this spring, those expenses cannot also be used for this reporting. You cannot use any funds that are being covered by another source. Those are considered ineligible uses of your provider relief funds. So you really need to identify what money has come in and what expenses or costs you're going to be used and, and reconcile it all out. In terms of the relief sources, read through, are there required uses? So one of the distributions that has come out from Friday funds is the nursing home infection control distribution to the very targeted focus. And so it's a much more narrow definition of allowable costs compared to some of the other ones. So evaluate each relief source you've received and identify what the spending requirements are. Are there time frames for using the funds? We know with PPP loans, 
there's a covered period that the expenses had to be incurred for. We know for provider relief funds, it's either through December 31st or through June 30, 2021. So identify the timeframes attached with each funding source that you are receiving. And lastly, if funds remain, determine whether you can use those funds in early 2021. If there's something that you haven't purchased, but it makes sense in terms of meeting the requirements of how you can spend this PRS fund money, schedule a purchase in 2021. Uh, budget their usage. If you know that in good faith, your organization just cannot spend that money and you don't have the lost revenue to also utilize some of those funds, then it's probably best just to make the decision to return it. Um, we don't know what the audits will look like. We don't know what sort of penalty or implications or uh, punishment, so to speak, will be given for non-compliance when audits are performed. And so if there is just no way for you to use the funds, then it's probably best just to return it. But it's good to go through this entire evaluation and make an informed decision before you just decide, yes, we can't use it or no, we can't use it. And like I mentioned earlier, please do not hesitate to reach out if you have any questions. I've talked to many, many clients and uh, one of our colleagues, Bob Dick and myself gave a presentation last week and, and as a result of the presentation received a lot of questions. Healthcare providers, just there's not enough guidance right now. And so there's still a lot of ambiguity in terms of how the money can be used. But we're certainly here as a sounding board. And if there's, if there's information we can provide that enables you to, to use up funds here in this last quarter of 2020, then let's talk about it and, and get a plan figured out. So at a high level, Ashley, that's really the update that I have for our listeners today. We will probably have another update for them in the hopefully in the coming weeks or months when more guidance is issued. Some of it may contradict what we talked about today, but as of now, this is, this is what we have to work with. So. Right. There was a lot of numbers and dates and everything thrown out there. So, um, I mean, we're serious when we say, please reach out if you do have any questions because we're here and happy to help. Absolutely. All right. Well, as always, if you enjoyed the podcast today, please visit our website at blandcpa.com and leave us a note. We'd also be grateful if you could rate and review the podcast on whichever app you use to listen to the podcast. Lastly, check out our Instagram and give us a like. So friends, with that, be informed. Be inspired. Be awesome. Bye, guys. Bye.